Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to drink these beers with fava beans and a nice Chianti. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. I always want to say yes. Richard Harris, but that's the guy who played Dumbledore and sang MacArthur's Park. But Thomas Harris, I'll start with a, with a beverage. This is from Evil Twin, NYC, Evil Water, one of their seltzers, and it's called Lambrusco. It's a wine seltzer, and Lambrusco is a red wine, and I believe so is Chianti. So there you go. That's my connection. I really have no idea. Not a clue. Lambrusco I definitely know. is a... I've, had, I've taken a couple of wine classes, because there were excuses to drink. <laughs> it is a, it is a, it is an Italian red wine. I don't know much more about it than that it's, because uh, I looked this up, Cato the Elder <laughs> made it, <laughs> or like wrote about it. So it's an old school, very old school Italian wine. And uh, this tastes like grape seltzer, so I guess that's as close as you're going to get with a wine seltzer. It tastes like grape or like purple drink? Purple stuff? Um, no, more like, actually, I mean, there's a... Well, there was a hint of truth to the purple stuff flavor. Uh, you know, it's like a grape that was on ketamine or something like that. But this is pretty, pretty grape tasting, which reminds me of a, of a really terrible joke. The other day, I, uh, I, I accidentally stepped on a grape and it didn't, uh, it didn't scream, but it did let out a little wine. I had two red highlights. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is a very, very famous book. It was published, I want to say 1988. 1988, yes. And is, uh, we mentioned this on another podcast at some point in the past or future, that this is one of the few examples of a sequel that completely eclipses the previous book or whatever. Yeah. And you don't even need to know the other one to experience this. You know, you could argue that like Godfather Part 2 is a better movie, but you kind of need Godfather Part 1 to understand it uh, for context. Otherwise, like, who's this other guy in a wife beater? But (laughs) for this... (laughs) You really only, you, don't, you just need this one book. You don't need the other ones. And it spawned one of the most, you know, uh, in terms of the Academy Awards, one of only three films to win all of the major awards. That being picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. M- made Anthony Hopkins, like, he's like forever paired with this character in my mind, Anthony Hopkins. He's pretty much just done Hannibal Lecter in every other movie since. <laughs> Even though apparently he was a very successful Shakespearean stage actor. Like, he didn't become yeah, a film sure. guy until he was, like, 50 or something like that. He was only on screen in this movie for 16 minutes out of, like, an hour 40, hour 45. That's a lot. I'm surprised he counted as a lead actor. He was the thing everybody remembers. He's, he's such a key character, such a key person that he just has to count. I, I, I don't know how they determine lead versus supporting uh, I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's a very technical rule and not just totally bullshit they make up every time. Definitely, yeah. Right, because sometimes a movie could have two male or two female leads, both nominated. Like in Amadeus, both Mozart and Salieri, those actors both got nominated for Best Actor. Like, you can't both be the lead actor. Maybe if they're both on screen the entire time. They're more, okay, never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can talk about the movie versus the book later. We should, but let's let's but set up the, the premise. The book I guess. is really very faithful to the to the movie. I think it's so the other way around. Start yes. <laughs> <laughs> he went back and made Good a point. novelization yes, of right. the movie. It's the novelization of si- the Silence of the Lambs based on the novel The Silence of the Lambs. I think I did see the movie first, though. I had actually read this book before. This I think almost everyone has seen the movie first. Definitely. Yeah. 
it starts out with the main character, point of view character, Clarice Starling, who is an FBI cadet played by Jodie Foster with a very thick West Virginia accent. And she's sort of like made her way through. This is her final semester at the FBI Academy, but the department head of the like, you know, we catch serial killers unit has called her in. Yeah, that's the one has called her in because they know she has a degree in psychology before her FBI work. So said, I need you as a, though, can I just say an undergrad in psychology is nothing, you know, that's like, Total bullshit, but especially a lady who had it, right? I mean, a lady on. scientist. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of sexism in this book. <laughs> there is, which it's is one of the main plot points, actually. Yeah, that Clarice, <laughs> that Clarice is trying to like make her w- trying to like be a real FBI agent to catch the serial killer in a world where almost everyone she works with are men, and they're all very sexist, and they all think you know. Almost everyone in the book tries to bang her. She's apparently hot. She's, she's that hot coal that miner body. Quite a few you know? times. <laughs> this is the FBI dude calls in Clarice because she's you know got that degree in psychology to interview in prison Dr. Hannibal Lecter, who is, I assume, the main character of the first book. Nope. Really? It's a similar... This is it's similar entirely very much the same thing. It's the same formula as this book it, it, it starts with them catching him and then the rest of it is him in jail helping ah okay. slash helping, helping the serial killer really in the in helping Red them Dragon. both because he's a he's a bad guy yeah it's it's he's like they're they're eventually quickly into silence of the lambs they're looking to capture to save this girl who's captured by a serial killer but actually hannibal lecter's more of a monster <laughs> he's the worst guy he's the worst guy more of a monster yeah, he. That's that's a high bar to <laughs> to clear based on this book. Sends Clarice into the like psych ward, high security psych ward where he's staying. And if you didn't know, Doctor Lecter is a psychologist and cannibal who super genius, super intelligent. So anyway, she goes in there, and he's like one step ahead of her the whole time. The whole time, it's almost like he can read her mind. Mm. Oh, probably. This is Mind Reading by Finback. This is a Gosa Sour Ale with peach and mango. Mm. All right. Delightful. It's pretty sour. Don't really get much peach or mango. Maybe it's sort of like a very, very sour peach. Not really getting the mango, though. Strangely, it, it tastes like beer, which I know <laughs> is a strange thing to say, but... That is, that is kind of odd, considering what it is. You know, it's, it is beer, but at the same time, it's a sour ale... With fruit, but it really just kind of tastes like beer, which is very. I know it's 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 so it strange. It's like yeah, exactly. Came full circle. It's so not beer. It became beer again. So anyway, but uh, it's pretty nice. I have more of this, but this is the first time. First time I opened one. Well, I uh, also have a beer for the doctor because he's. Oh, I know, have a second beer for the doctor as well. Me too. Oh, fuck. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it makes the most sense. So, I'll save uh, my second mind second one for a little later. Yeah, he, he's he's in it throughout. So he is locked up in this criminally insane asylum criminal place, and he and in a cell all by himself at the end of the hallway. No one ever touches him or talks to him because anyone that gets within a foot of him, he eats. So he's probably really lonely. 
This is Lonely Logger by Kagan Lantern, and it is a 6.1% pale lager. And much like Nate's, this tastes like beer. Though it is explicitly that, and that is unsurprising for this one. But it's nice. We should add that these beers, they're paid for by our friends over at Patreon. You too could help us buy beers, maybe better ones even. If you head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub, and choose from a bevy of choices of, of tiers, each with an increasingly amazing reward to support the podcast, including things such as voting in our monthly book poll, getting shouted out on the show whenever we remember to do it, which is frequent. Uh, <laughs> Not. <laughs> it's, in, it's in their hearts. Uh, and getting early access to episodes two weeks early, as long as Nate remembers to post it, which he is very good at doing. So, you know, you could be way ahead. And exclusive Patreon-only content. That, you know, no matter how many people you eat, you can't get unless you head over to Patreon and support us there. So consider that. That'd be awesome. Back to the book. So Clarice, uh, the, the FBI director, not director, department director, wants... Crawford. Crawford wants Starling to interview him about a specific case because... Well, first she's like, just fill out this questionnaire. We're doing a survey. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like... A rube. Hmm. Ruse? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a ruse. It's just a, she's a rube, but it's, it's a yeah. ruse. Do rubes get rused? Often. Is that, is that the same <laughs> etymology there? It's the know. past tense of rube. Uh, but Ru, the, rue is, means dumb. <laughs> so she, from, from the uh, Indo-European root for stupid, but <laughs> they, she's there just asking like this, this survey and he's, you know, they tell all these stories of what a dick he is. Like the last time he just folded it into a origami chicken. <laughs> That would pack when you pulled on its tail because he's just an asshole and doesn't want to help. But he is somehow interested in Cleary Starling and he says he'll, like, I'll maybe do that survey. But then he is like, by the way, how's that Buffalo Bill thing going? This other serial killer that's at large. And then that kind of triggers the rest of the plot of the book. Well, the direct FBI dude wanted her to find out about that. Not initially. Initially, like that, they developed because well, at first he, she's like, "He told me this thing about Buffalo Bill." He's like, "I mm-hmm. don't care. Leave me the report." Like he doesn't give a shit at first, and then but then later on he says, "Like I was hoping he would do that," and I was hoping you know you can't you can't come at this guy straight. You gotta f- gotta fuck with him because he's always fucking with us. I don't know how no. I don't know how much I believe him there. <laughs> I mean, I guess because he's like a celebrated serial killer hunter. This guy. I mean, every fucking character in this book is like mind fucking each other. One That's or two true. steps ahead, so it's hard to fucked. keep track. Yeah, so Clarice finds out a little bit of information that might help in the hunt for the second serial killer, the one called Buffalo Bill, who he uh, is kind of... It's this very strange uh, thing where the plot... I mean, everybody knows the plot already, but where uh, there's this serial killer who's basically been killing women and dumping their bodies in rivers, and he's also been skinning them. He's been, like, cutting chunks of their skin out off and you don't know why at first i mean you do find out by the end of course but at first that's but nobody knows where it is but lector gives clarice kind of like a hint like oh you should check and he check one of his former patients like check his car valentine's day is next week you'll find your valentine in raspel's car she's like okay that made sense this man has been setting up long cons for years without knowing when he'll use them yeah, that's the one thing. I, as I, I mean, I never read the book before, but I'd seen the movie, but not for a really long time. And I forgot. Like some of the elements of the plot are kind of, I thought were kind of dumb. They they streamlined it a little in the movie. 
Well, did they cut out the whole shit with Crawford's wife? Yeah, they that's did. all gone. Mm-hmm. Which it also doesn't matter at all in the book, except to just make him a more full character, I guess. Yeah, but did, in the movie, is it explicit that um, Hop that not Hopkins that Lecter knew Buffalo Bill basically? Yes. Okay, it is. That's the part that I thought was dumb because that's not the case in Red Dragon. And Red Dragon is just like here's another crazy guy. I'm- well, he like he knew him tangentially, and then once this started happening, he realized, oh, it's that guy I knew. Yeah, that was a little convenient. <laughs> As well, if like you know. serial killers have like a club they go to, and they're all like, "What's the what's the newest news on skinning?" Yeah. If you're if you're a potential murderer, I think if you're looking for a shrink, he's the one they go to. All right, fine. So, so Starling, in her like spare time between classes at the academy and tests and exams and stuff like that, she's like calling up DMVs and trying to find a car, <laughs> and she finds his car, except it's been like. You know, crushing a junkyard six months ago. It's like, oh, well, that's too bad. And like, well, and then the director goes, no, that maybe that's not his only car. In fact, the director's like, didn't you know he's a car collector? <laughs> that he had like an antique, very vintage, like 1920s car in storage, even though this guy's been dead for, you know, eight years. It just helps that his, his, his family's been fighting over his will or his lack of yeah. a will. So that's why this stuff is all held in a storage unit very conveniently. So still in a storage unit that hasn't been opened in years. So Clarice gets the guy's dead guy's lawyer, you know, a state lawyer dude to come out, open the lock to the storage unit and it opens it up and she finds the car and she goes in the car and she doesn't find, well, she does actually kind of find a Valentine. There there's is a book like of some, yeah, there's a book of Valentine's in there, but then there's also a human head in a jar. With a wooden dildo in it. Yes. It's, for, for whatever reason, that, that, that's what she finds first. It's Valentine's Day. While the obese lawyer, who is described as a Chinese, waits in the car. <laughs> yeah, this was written in the late 80s, too. It wasn't like the 50s. Well, apparently, I mean, it might have been started in the mid-80s, but it's because... It's that's uh, not much different. It's not much different. But Thomas Harris is a... Uh, he's only written five books, this guy. And the other one just came out. And apparently it sucked. All right. But he, he took a long time. But he's an old dude, so maybe he was a bit dated. Calling someone a Chinese is not really a... <laughs> it, wasn't, it could not have been the acceptable thing in 1985. No. No, definitely not. So she finds this stuff, and then, like, there's a whole bunch of crap. Like, the news reporter comes, and then... And, like, no, I guess what's important about that scene is, like, nobody's respecting Clarice as a full-fledged agent of the law yet. So like because she's a woman and because she's a trainee, so right. she has both those things. So the new the news reporter comes, who is some you know tabloid kind of ambulance chasing you know like oh here we are on the scene. I'm going to show you a dead body person, and the she's trying to distract Starling so a guy with a camera can crawl into the storage unit because the door wouldn't open or something and film the head <laughs> like or just film it like that's the level of news like I don't know what shitty channel of news that's on but i want to watch news. it uh fox news does not show that because that would have hurt <laughs> jesus's feelings to show a dead body uh but the they, they're they not respecting her and then she has to like pull her gun out and like threaten them and then they're like oh she's a mean lady now like i guess we should behave and that's kind of a theme throughout the whole book as nate said already people just m- underestimating her and just thinking that she's some like glorified secretary or something even though she's doing ridiculous legwork, <laughs> yeah, and going to school at the same time, and ironing, 
at one point her, <laughs> at one point her roommate is like I hope you don't get kicked out. I don't know anyone that could iron as fast as you. <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. That's all right. That's that's the level at Quantico, I guess. Well, she does like go through the file later while doing her laundry. She's also always wearing a nightgown. It's like in her FBI issued Moo, she's looking through the library. <laughs> so once Dr. Lecter essentially points Clarice to this break in the case. That kind of, that meant, you know, oh, well, Dr. Lecter will talk to you and not just humiliate you like every other person we send in to talk to him. Uh, the FBI director, department director, brings her down to find, to, to exa- do the, examine, do, or at least look at the autopsy of the, of the next girl, which is, I think, number five, the mm-hmm. number five, the, the five one that they one. had just found in a river in, I think, West Virginia. Yeah. Something like that. Because it's like and, where she's from. Somewhere way out in the boonies. But she turns on the Southern Belle charm to get all the guys to treat her respectfully there. Yeah, like all the cops who are just hanging out. And this body shows something that Hec- uh, Hector, Hannibal Lecter, had predicted. He said he's going to start scalping soon. And sure enough, this body is scalped. So now is not only Starling really like doing, it seems like all the work to catch the serial killer. It it, it basically seems like all of it, but she's also periodically going in, talk to Dr. Lecter. So would you call them, would you call them a dream team? I would. I would be a nightmare team. She's a very, she's got a lot of, she's a one woman dream team and he's a nightmare. Well, yeah, because she's apparently really smart and hardworking and hot. So she's like the Hollywood ideal. And he's just a crazy person who's really smart. And he has an extra finger. He has an extra middle finger on one hand. That's how much he tells people to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Dream Team by Lone Pine in Portland, Maine. This is I've an been 8% alcohol, double India pale ale. And even though I am very close to Portland, Maine right now, I actually bought this in New York and brought it with me. It's a great brewery. I had it there. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, it's an, it's an IPA. It's sort of the more hoppy, bitter IPAs than the New England IPAs, but it, it's still nice. Yep, this one says first round draft pick, but oh, the beer God. type of draft. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> but the draught. beer draft. Yes, exactly. The first round draught pick. You know, I thought it really oh. was pronounced Citra draught. Mosaic Galaxy Amarillo Simcoe, the dream team. And alcohol. And yes. 8% alcohol, yes. That is an important part of the team. So then... Um, she interviews him again and he's like, you got to give me the file on Buffalo Bill and I'll help you maybe sort of. And she makes up some bullshit as an offer. Like if you help, oh, because now another girl gets kidnapped, uh, right? Or is there another conversation? She speaks to him a bunch of times. She speaks to him a bunch of times. I think this is one of the times where they, they, they streamed on a little in the movie. They took out some of these conversations because this was one of my favorite parts of the book. When she goes to talk to him, he's like, why won't they give me a patent on my novelty Jesus watch? Oh, Look, yeah. the arms point to the to the numbers. It's like I don't I don't know why you're showing me this. I don't know why this is in the book. What's going on? Like, and the head I kill is and eat people. Yeah, but it's like I kill and eat people. Look, I also designed a novelty watch. It's like, okay, dude. <laughs> I guess you're bored in here. But she's she's like, well, actually, I believe that would be more of a trademark and not a patent <laughs> because yeah, oh, that's how those work. And yeah. basically, you're just you just made a Mickey Mouse watch, <laughs> like, with uh, with that. 
I once knew a really stupid person who could only tell time by picturing the Mickey Mouse watch. Like, they'd physically do it with their body. Like, oh, it's, uh, oh, so that's 315. <laughs> they'd, like, point their Wow. Yeah. Doesn't was even really this, make sense. Was this an adult? Uh, well, I was a teenager, and she was older than me. So she was, like, 20s. Legally she was dumb, an adult. But wow. That doesn't even make sense, because it implies that she can tell time. I think she was just really dumb, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's too dumb to realize she can do it. Yeah, that, that's, that's like <laughs> true incompetence. Like you don't even know you don't you don't know that you know. Wait, <laughs> so she couldn't look at a digital clock and well, know sure, what she time could it do was. That. She could t- look at a digital okay. clock, but if you but, like, but a regular clock, she had to make it a Mickey Mouse tr- clock she had instead. To translate it into Mickey. I'm like, oh, oh boy, and then oh, it's four o'clock. Okay, <laughs> that's honestly the strangest thing I've heard in a long time. And we just read this book. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it just came back to mind because I've been watching a shit ton of Disney Plus with my kid. And, uh, and I've the theory that, um, one, that Donald had a stroke and just no one wants to tell him because his speech <laughs> is impenetrable. There's nothing. He, like, there are, you could put on subtitles. I'm like, oh, those were actually supposed to be words. But also the bigger question is Goofy is a dog, right? But yes. Pluto is also a dog. And Pluto if, is simple. But like I think I think what it is, Mickey's a slaver and, and Pluto is his slave. But he the, walks the around. The progressive thing talk. is that his friend, the black dog, is free, but Pluto is clearly enslaved. He's like, Come here, boy, Ooh. and then he's like this dog gets hurt all the time. Maybe they're and just different breeds. Some breeds are more equal than others. <laughs> some breeds are smarter. That's true. But Goofy is not smarter than like a husky anything. versus a chihuahua. <laughs> if you watch them, Goofy is really dangerously stupid. Well, he's still dog smart. He's not human smart. <laughs> As opposed to the other characters who are mouse smart, like and a border collie is very smart, smart, but it can't do anything <laughs> that I can do. <laughs> but it could look its own balls, dude. So trade offs. I, I said it can't do anything that I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to this fucking dumb book. So there we're probably leaving out a little bit, but one of the main big things happen is that you actually get a point of view scene from that's actually sees the serial killer and he kidnap where he's kidnapping another girl, but this time it happens to be the daughter of a US senator. Which is never a good thing when you're trying to stay on the down low. Yeah, definitely. So it's the daughter of a US senator, and so it's clear and within not so not only has the daughter of a senator been kidnapped, but within the day Within a day, they find out that there's one of one of his signs, which is the he, he um, cuts the clothing, the the shirt off of all his victims, and then just leaves it there. Like, dude, well, he has to make sure that the stuff he picked up is worth keeping. Yeah, exactly. Which you find out why later, because you get point of view from him, point of view chapters from him a little bit later. Anyway, so it's so it's clear that not only is it that the U.S. senator's daughter has been kidnapped by the serial killer who skins people. So, But they also know from the... Um, they also found out that the autopsy that Clarice did basically all by herself as like 18 men sat around and chewed tobacco, that he's killing them faster now. And also that he's putting things in their neck. Not what you think. And she pulls out a, a cocoon and then she take it to the bug lords... <laughs> like the coolest bug guys in the world the biggest and fucking then they dweebs. spend about 50% of the book trying to figure out what kind of bug it is in the movie they figure it out in about 45 seconds that's okay yeah 
<laughs> it really didn't. They didn't need to take so long. No, they didn't. It was one bug, and they're bug experts. It shouldn't take that long. Well, they they do. I mean, to the, to be fair, the guy's like, oh, it's definitely a moth. There are only about twenty five hundred types of moth. Well, in the in the movie, they cut open the thing and they find the death's head on it. It's like, oh, it's this moth because it's like the most identifiable kind of moth because it's got a little skull on it and it's spooky. It's called a, a hawk moth. It's so big. It's got That's like a gross. six inch wingspan. It's a it's like a small bird. It's fucking gross. There are birds smaller than that. That's true, like, like hummingbirds and stuff like that. But it's like the kind of bird you'll see. Like it's not quite a pigeon, but it's. Jeez, that's a big ass fucking moth. It's got a little nose that it stabs with, and it shrieks. Yeah, they're horrific things. I don't want that. I don't want to live in a place where that's a thing. But luckily, they're only from Asia, as they say. So if you find some with them, they got to be on a import list of bug friends. And then they're like, let's in the book. It, let's look at whoever subscribed to the moth periodicals. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's a list the government has ready, apparently. And then, and then a day later, or later the same day. You know, but anyway, within a day or two, they are uh, the the FBI forensics people who are doing the autopsy on the head in the jar. They find another uh, chrysalis inside that person's mouth, inside that person's throat. So now they know there's a connection, and that Hannibal Lecter knows something about it because he directed them to the first one. When he directed her to the head, one of the things he says, I'm giving you, why are you doing this for me or something like that? And he's like, giving you, essentially he said, I'm giving you a promotion. <laughs> like he knew this would build her, her um, esteem career. and career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just into destruction and, and playing games. And Clarice is the, is the unwitting uh, benefactor of them, it seems. And he's been, tra- every time he talks to her, he's junior trade. member of the dream team. <laughs> every one of their conversations, he's, he trades with her for like, some little memory or something, and then he psychoanalyzes the dick out of it, and she's just shaken. Which is where the title of the book comes from, by the way, because Clarice, after her father was killed, had to go to live in Montana on this ranch from random relatives who they, like, slaughter old horses and sheep. So it's a she very could specific hear, kind of farm. <laughs> so she could hear Only the lambs. Horse, like milk so, so she would wake up, you know, very early in the morning and hear the lambs screaming because they're being slaughtered. And it's not this lambs screaming that is so scary. It's actually the silence because that means they're dead. And you have the lambs stop screaming. Do you hear the lambs screaming? <laughs> now that Buffalo Bill has taken the senator's daughter, the senator steps in and says, I'm going to... Give him whatever he wants, which is just a nicer room. And we have to find him before he kills my daughter. And they have to find him because he's taking girls from many states. Because he's really been mixing it up. (laughs) (laughs) The senator fucks it up at every turn, too. Oh, yeah, she's terrible. Basically everybody but Clarice and to a lesser extent Crawford, because he lets Clarice do whatever she wants, fucks it up. Um, this is Mixing It Up from Interborough. It's a fruited gosa with boysenberry, passion fruit, blueberry, and raspberry. That is very fruity. That's basically just fruit punch. Nice. It is lovely. I've noticed that sometimes you get a uh, gosa or Berliner Weiss or sour IPA or something like that, and it's with so much fruit, it's so sweet, it just tastes like like a like a fruit smoothie almost. Yeah. It's like it's almost as if those styles don't mean anything anymore. They're just kind of a blur. This isn't really a smoothie. It's 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 definitely juice. 
but it is just if someone puts this in a cup and say, "Here, have this juice," to be like, "Okay," <laughs> and they'd be like, "This is a beer." Like, "Fuck you!" No, it isn't. It's just this is just juice. You'd find this in a juice box for adults. That's what that's what beer cans are. <laughs> So then the senator gets involved, and she assumes that it's like a, they, everyone kind of assumes it's like a, a ransomable kind of thing that they can make. They make a, a you know, statement on the news that if they appeal to Buffalo Bill, he will release her, and the senator will pull every string she can because she sits on like nineteen committees and controls the FBI's funding somehow at the same time. And own like there's a Department of Justice guy that she bitches around like she's the most successful, the most powerful junior senator from Tennessee you've ever heard of, and she's <laughs> like, we'll get Buffalo Bill to give the daughter back, and then meanwhile, Clary Stone's like, that's probably not going to happen. I'm going to keep going with this talking to the crazy guy thing, and he keeps giving her more, and then um, she, this is when she offers him the fake FBI deal. Uh, you'll get like a room with a view sort of maybe and you'll get your books back and a toilet yeah. seat because you'll live the life of luxury and the dickhead um chilton chilton the the head of the asylum who who has kind of decided that hannibal lecter is his arch enemy fucks that up well he he views hannibal as a way to make a name for himself he's like the keeper and he calls himself hannibal's nemesis because yes. he's an idiot and believes that he is. But before Dr. Chilton could publish his first article on Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter published his own psychological article on Chilton, showing how everything that he told him was a complete lie and making him look like yeah, a Yeah, he fool. publicly humiliated the guy. But Chilton is a total dick. He sucks. One of the first yeah, things he says to Hillary when she gets there is, is, so the FBI is going to the girls like everything else. Ha, 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 ha. She's like, I would like to leave my coat here. And he's like, in the hall with, Al- with, with whatever, Alan. Like, with Alan, who is a crazy person in the asylum who must just be not violent or something, even though he's criminally insane. Strange. This is the best line in the book. Oh, yes. And, um, <laughs> and this is still only like page six. I mean, it is yeah. really early. It really, it really peaks right away. Do you remember? I don't remember the exact lines you mean. Uh, I don't want to butcher says, it um, since you love it. I, I wrote it down because it's incredible. Um, <laughs> She, she says, can I hang up my coat here? And he says, you're more than welcome. How often do you shit? Alan asks. And she says, what do you say? And he says, does it come out long? And she just says, I'll hang these somewhere myself. But he's like, do you ever, like, he basically, do you ever bend down and watch yourself take a shit yeah. and see if it changes color when it hits the air? And she's just like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'll just hang on to my hat. And then Dr. <laughs> Your children's like, oh, don't listen to him. I used to have an office girl. He doesn't even say secretaries. I used to have an office girl, but they've cut the budget. And so now I have some girl that comes a few hours to do typing, and then it's Al in the rest of the day. Like He's like... He's always asking about poops. <laughs> like, I knew having an office girl was shitty, but this guy... <laughs> and then right after that, another just great line from Miggs, who is a under underappreciated character... Oh yeah, in the book, and who he's in the movie too, actually. Briefly, yeah, they all. Like, I mean, he's, he's pretty brief in the book. In the book. Mm-hmm. Who, as Clarice is walking by, he charmingly greets her by saying, "I could smell your cunt," and she's like, "Wow, I didn't even. I thought I can get away another day without douching." <laughs> but uh, Hannibal Lecter apologizes. Like, I find rudeness so ugly, or something. He says something that like it's so disgusting. The the rudeness of some people. 
even though he murders and dismembers and eats people and occasionally feeds them to other people. But he's classy. He's a classy dude. One of his pet peeves is rudeness, and he will yes. kill people because they were rude. That is a theme. I've That's read all the other books, excuse. and he does that often. <laughs> like at one point in uh, the fourth book, which is the prequel, Hannibal Rising, and is definitely the shittiest of them. Yeah. Uh, Hannibal Lecter has... He's like living with a Japanese woman. It's like some countess or something. I don't really understand how he was a count. He got adopted. But she, some French guy's like, "Uh uh-huh, her pussy. (laughs) This is Japanese. Japanese. Does it go sideways? Like their eyes. And then like five minutes later, he cuts that guy's stomach open with a sword. He's like, it goes sideways like this, bitch. And just kills him. Does it really go down that way? Um, I mean, he doesn't say Or did you throw in the sideways stuff? No, that's fucking in the book, dude. Wow, that's in the... Jesus, okay. And that book came out in like 2006. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was supposed to take place in like the four, 50s. So it was totally cool then. And it was yeah. in Europe. So who knows? Yeah, anything is possible there. <laughs> that book blows ass. Um, but um, apparently Thomas Harris only wrote that book because it was in jeopardy of losing the... Someone else was going was threatening... Some filmmaker was threatening to make a sort of unauthorized prequel book. A uh, movie, rather. And he's like, I could do it with you or not with you. It's up to you, dude. And he's like, I really don't want to write another book. He's like, all right, then I'll just get someone else to write it. And I don't know how copyright law works, but apparently that's a reasonable thing. And he's like, ah, fuck, I'll shit out another book. And that's why that book is pretty pretty universally thought to be terrible. But it, it does explain everything about why Hannibal Lecter is a crazy person. And it's basically that. So first of all, it explains that he's Lithuanian. So if you ever wonder what kind of name Lecter was. And he, during World War II, he and his sister were the only survivors of a bombing at their castle because they were landed gentry. And Russian soldiers ate his sister. They captured the Didn't children. Like force her to eat, force him to eat them too? Uh, I think like he had to to survive. It was either eat that or not eat anything. And he doesn't remember that part of his childhood or something like that or he blocked it out. But they killed him and he, they ate his sister. And then the whole point of Hannibal Rising is is basically his revenge, how he kills all those dudes later on. It's it's pretty pretty terrible. Bummer. So don't read that one. We won't do that on the show, but maybe the other two, they're worth doing. So Hannibal gets moved yeah. to Tennessee to be put in some other jail to work with the senator. And, of course, things are going to go poorly at that point. Yeah. He and he takes the deal specifically because he knows that the new Tennessee police will be idiots, or you know, because the, they're just state troopers. They're not the, the trained people at the psych board. The the orderly guard guy Barney, he knows that they're going to be stupid, and he offers to go tell them what to do. And children's like, nah, fuck it, it's not my problem. Ch- like children helps sabotage that, perhaps not. Not completely on purpose, just because he's Mm -hmm. an asshole. So Hannibal uh, Lecter manages to escape because he's got like a part of a the end of a paper clip that he's storing in his one last time to give her the file to send her on the way to figuring out the case. So that's all that matters. And then he he drops a whole bunch of really good clues and gives her really good hints, even though he knows exactly who it is. He knows this guy's real name. But he gives a fake name to the senator. So I don't remember if it's this clear in the book or I'm remembering it from the Wikipedia article, but he says his name is Billy Rubin. Yeah. Which Billy Rubin is some mm-hmm. sort of chemical that is found in shit. So he gives her literal shit as a clue. It was like the co- responsible for the coloring yeah. in bile or some weird shit. Yeah. 
also but it's all, and poo poo. But also, but he, but it's also the chemical symbol. Is it spells out the name Chilton somehow? Oh, so oh, it was Jesus. also a fuck you to that's a nerd Chilton. fight. Would you yeah. say that he gets away with this because he's he's the goat? I mean, he kind of is. Jimmy already drank one of these, but I really did. I bought a four last week. Is it last week at this point? It is both last week. It is last week when we drank it, and last week when this episode comes out. Oh shit! So fine. Who cares? Let's see if if a week has aged it better or improved on it. This is the goat from Evil Twin NYC. It is the goat G O A T, like uh, an acronym for the greatest of all time. Though it does have a picture of a goat on the can. And it is a double bock that's 8.3% aged on American Oak Fudra, which is like a barrel thing. Uh, double bocks really are a showcase for a malt. And uh, let's see how this one holds up. Yeah, that just you get a lot of different malty flavors. <laughs> I mean, there's really not nothing that sticks out too. It's very clean. So there's not a lot of like off flavors where you could say, oh, and there's hints of leather and cardamom or whatever. It smells like kind of sugary beer water. And um, that's why I have offered to put a lot of these on the podcast. In my, I've saved several cans of the podcast. I don't really care for this too much. It's one of my least favorite Evil Twin beers I've ever had. Yeah, I, I didn't really care for, for it either. But that's just that whole style. It's not really my thing. Totally. But Hannibal Lecter is the goat. <laughs> he definitely is. And he probably, since he's into cuisine, he probably mm-hmm. has eaten some at some point, too. With fava beans. Well, yeah, what else do you Unless it's like cur- curried goat. <laughs> well, the goat's liver, at least. <laughs> so then he escapes. So he escapes by like, you know, he has like part of a paper clip that he's been hiding for years so in his the mouth. The tube of a ballpoint pen. And then he um, basically manages to like, uh, he's handcuffed to his cell wall so that they can bring in his meal, I think it was. But he manages to take it out and just murder the two guards and like immediately, like starts eating one guy's well, he's face. Very hungry. It was dinner time. <laughs> yeah, they brought in his meal. Yeah, precisely. It's like I said. And there's the whole thing. And then the police downstairs hear three shots, and they go up and they see the two guards just like totally just mutilated. Oh my god! Get the get the shotguns. And then there's this whole thing, and it turns out Lecter had like basically fooled the cops by taking one body and putting it on the top of the elevator. But then he was actually the second body because he had put his, the other guy's face over his face. And so they put him in the ambulance and then he murders the two ambulance drivers, ambulance workers, and then manages to just drive the ambulance to the airport and then escape. So he's now escaped. I always felt bad in the movie for the cops that he kills because they were the one like law people who were respectful to him. So if you were that scene in the movie... Yeah, they're very nice. They're really... Resp- he's like, mind the drawings. And they're like, oh, of course. And the guy like carefully... Instead of being like what you'd expect, you know, a Chilton-type character, but go fuck yourself in your drawings. He's like, oh, yeah. And he carefully moves the drawings to the floor. And then Hannibal Lecter beats him to death with his own nightstick. Like, was and that necessary? the other guy's face. Yeah. I guess that's why he didn't eat that guy's face, because he was kind of nice. But it was really... Well, he needed his face. He borrowed his face. Ew. Like how, what did he use to skin the guy's face off? No, no, he one had a knife. Oh, one okay. had a knife. I just thought that was... But he had to make mean. it, like, messy and gross so that when he was laying on the floor pretending to be the guy with the cut-up face, no one would want to touch him. Right. So he's like, if I just lay here, no one's going to touch me if it's really gross. They said, like, the guard is like, ugh, he did not want to be the one to give him mouth-to-mouth, so he just waited. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I'm going to make some other guy do it <laughs> if, we have, if it comes to that. Um, so, yeah, he escapes, which is, you know, bad. <laughs> uh, it's not great. 
<laughs> it's not great. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, not great, Jimmy. Uh, so, and meanwhile, Clarice is like still searching for Buffalo Bill, the other serial killer, but now won't have the help of Dr. Lecter anymore, but still has the kind of like weird, very cryptic clues that uh, he gave her. So she's like searching the dead girl's like home. I mean, not the dead girl, the, ca- the kidnapped girl's home. She's not dead yet. The clue he gave her was like, this map is too random. Like, does it mm-hmm. look a little bit too random to you when she realizes that the girl they found... And he must go back to first principles. Yes. First principles, like, he what tells the, her. What the thing you want, what you covet. You covet what you see all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she realizes the first girl that he killed is one he probably saw every day, so he must live near that girl. So he finds that girl, uh, her home, and she's investigating it. But she's, she's at the home of the senator's daughter, Oh, and yeah. And the senator is there. The senator and the other stupid dude are like, fuck you. Go back to the FBI Academy. But then she goes back for a day and decides then to go to Ohio, was it? To Yeah. She goes to a lot of places. That's when yeah. she has, after that conversation, when they're like, go fuck her up, she finds the uh, porn pictures the fat girl took when she had some Polaroids of her fucking her boyfriend and the senator's like, give me those. And he's like, it's evidence, dude. He's like, I don't care. Give me it now. And the DOJ guy's like, yeah, you should def- just give it to her. She, she's At this point, one. Hannibal has already told her that she wants to make the... She, uh, Hannibal has told her that he's making... Uh, he said he wants a vest with tits on it. Don't we all? I don't, I don't <laughs> want that, no. <laughs> Another thing, the book said multiple times that, you know, like really overweight, overweight girls were rare. That they yeah, I don't know just what the aren't, aren't about that, that many of them, and I was, and I immediately thought, well, that's changed since 1985. I, get, I think it was just a lie in 1985 too, especially in the Midwest. Great big fat person great big fat girl. <laughs> in Ohio. <laughs> There's also a thing in the book where they don't have this movie where she's constantly worried, like if you you keep missing class, you're going to get recycled, which basically means you have to work in a shitty office for six months until the next class starts up and do it all again. But she's like, fuck it. I'll do it all again. I'm going to catch Bill. Even though Crawford is the fucking head, he's like, I can't protect you from the recycling. I can't get you like an extension on that paper. Bureaucracy is, is king there. That doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's like, that's I why, will that's totally why they cut fuck it. with your life. Your career is a, is a pawn to me. And I also kind of know all the answers anyway, but I'll make you do it as a, some sort of weird Yoda training and then not help you at all. If you need help, he was he was a really shitty mentor in some respects. He had to let her find her own way, or he had to see how dedicated she was. I don't know; it was dumb. But she decides, "Fuck it, I'm going to catch Bill. I'll wait six months and do it all again." I got it. I got it down. So she goes to the to Ohio, the town in Ohio where the first girl was from, and see she interviews the father, and she goes to the the girl's bedroom and realizes all of her clothes they're handmade, and realizes, huh, she was good at sewing. What did she do for a job? Oh, she was sewing things for people, and she worked for this old lady that did everybody's alterations and made everybody's dresses and stuff, and then. Uh, meanwhile, she like says, oh, I think I'm onto something, calls the FBI, and the FBI goes, we've got the guy. We, we, we found two addresses where he could be, and it's through this weird like the sex, sexual sex reassignment clinics, like looking for rejected people because Lecter had predicted that, that whoever this person is had been rejected for Cause the guy, sexual he, he said the guy will, surgery. The guy thinks he's transsexual, trans, and he... He thinks he is, but he's not. And when he goes to work, goes to the clinics, they'll test him and they'll say, "Like you're not actually a good candidate for this," and they rejected him. 
And then there's a whole fucking prolonged, uh, you know, pr- uh, protracted scene where Crawford tries to like guilt a doctor or threaten a doctor into giving him the list of rejected people so they could find him. That's one of the things people who are critical of the book, even then, like, you know, the trans movement, mm-hmm. you know, the, is a much more modern thing than 1988, but obviously existed then. But people have accused the book of being transphobic by saying that uh, Buffalo Bill went crazy because he was trans or something to that effect. Which is weird. Yeah, so I, w- I was, was I was kind of thinking yeah. that while I was while I was reading it. And, and it is, I mean, it, in a way it definitely is. But in another way, like when the actual doctor is not Dr. Lecter, the, the um, clinic doctor is saying, you know, this is, if this gets out, this is going to be, this is going to make everyone who's transgender, which says transsexual in the, in the book, but today we probably wouldn't use that term. Uh, was going to make them, this is not what it's really like. These are not, people are not crazy. They're not violent. They're less violent and prone, less prone to crime than the general population. And so he does try and defend it. He'll but just, still, to because it. Buffalo Bill is is portrayed as this crazy, you know, Making not not just crazy suit. and violent and, and mutilating people and trying to make a lady suit, that it, it just, that's what's really like shown in terms of somebody who might be transgender. Anyway. They cut the whole trans thing out it's of the movie entirely, too. It's just implied that he wants to be a woman. Like yeah, that's, they don't have like the doctor stuff. There's no stuff. medical There's no like, oh, mm-hmm. he was, he's not really. He didn't even, Hannibal never even says like, he thinks he is, but he isn't. I don't think. But yeah. no time for him to say anything. He's in the movie for five minutes. Yeah. Clarice, you know, is, is still searching, just looking for the old lady and goes to her house and knocks on the door. Meanwhile, you've seen, you've now in the previous like 60 pages had all a bunch of scenes from the point of view of both the, the actual Sir Buffalo Bill, whose real name is James Gum. It's a dumb name. It's like James, both out the S, which was dumb. And then <laughs> also the point of view of the kidnapped girl down in the hole in the basement, both of which were pretty crazy. And then Buffalo Bill, he Clarice realizes that, you know, that Buffalo Bill must be a expert sewer, you know, uh, tailor or whatever it is. Cause he's, seamster? he's been cutting seamster. Yeah. He, Cause he's a male a seamstress, seamstress right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, I don't he's know in the, the word. seamsters <laughs> union. Um, <laughs> So he must, because he realizes when the chunks that are being cut out of the skin of the other victims, that they're therefore like making alterations. Those sizes and those shapes are for making alterations. So he's making himself a suit. Anyway, so he knows what I'm doing. He knows what he's doing. Goes to the laser. And she knocks on the door. And this very weird guy wearing nothing but a bathrobe opens the door. And it's like, where's Mrs. So-and-so? Lipman, Lickman, whatever it is. Uh, and he's like, oh, she doesn't live here anymore. Oh, let me see if I can find the card of her attorney. He turns around, and there's a death's head moth, like, on his back. And that's when Clarice realizes, this is the guy. This is Buffalo Bill. So she goes in, and is literally like, I'm going to talk to him for a minute. Then she draws her gun. But then he, like, walks out of the room. He runs into the basement. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, and then, and then he just left. And then he turns out the light. And this is a, 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 you know, a pretty memorable scene from the film, but also is a lot the way it went down in the book, too, which is Buffalo Bill has night vision goggles. From the Israeli uh, 
they, they mentioned the book. It's like Israeli surplus sale or something. He got yeah, his, only four hundred dollars decommissioned you know, IDF goggles because that's what you yeah. buy in Ohio. And so you know, it's pitch dark because he's like shut down, shut all the lights. He's shut off all the lights. Uh, and so and the basement's Clarice is literally just yeah in this weird labyrinth in this weird like dungeon of a cellar. And she's... Um, like they really should have counted that in the square footage of the home. That basement is enormous. Like, how yeah. many different <laughs> rooms and, like, extensions. And there's also a fucking 17-foot well. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's an impressive basement. I don't know about the architecture of Columbus or wherever they were, but that's really weird. But she ends up shooting him just based on the sound. Like, she heard the sound of his gun, of his gun cocking. Don't laugh. And then... <laughs> Okay, you didn't laugh, huh? Uh, and, and then fires <laughs> and ch- kills him, but in the dark. Uh, and he tries to shoot her, but he misses by just a little bit. And then so she ended up catching Buffalo, killing Buffalo Bill and saving saving the girl. Catherine Miller? Martin. Catherine Martin. Martin. The senator's daughter, yeah. And then basically it's like, yep. I mean, that's basically the end. And then she hooks up with the bug guy. Yeah. Which yeah. was dumb. Mm-hmm. That's not in the movie, is it? No, it's not. The movie ends with uh, Hannibal Lecter calling her. And I think, she, I think he sends her a letter in the book, but essentially the same thing. He's like, I'm not coming for you, don't worry. Like, you're too interesting to kill. Yeah. And I don't remember now if it's in the book or just the movie, but the great line, like, he sees Chilton somewhere. Like, wherever he's at, Chilton is. Oh, know, he's getting off a plane. In, like, Central America or somewhere. Yeah. And... And he's having an old friend for dinner, which is a, I don't think that's in the book. It's not in the book. It's in the movie. It's a really, really good line. It's it's one of the things that maybe Anthony Hopkins even like improvised. It's just very, Chilton deserved it, whatever happened. He did. He really sucks. He was the worst. Yep. It's hard, hard, hard to feel bad for him. Pretty much all the characters that are alive, I don't know about Crawford, but even the, like, Hannibal picks up later on with just another adventure, tracking down Hannibal Lecter, essentially. And even uh, Children's not in it. Children's in Hannibal the show, that's what I'm thinking of, which is also dog shit. Dude, that's like my favorite show of all time. Is it really? Yeah, it's an incredible show. Really? It is so weird and over the top. It is, it's my favorite show. That is... Have you watched a lot of it? I didn't watch I've much. Seen I it, watched but... a little bit. I was like, this looks dumb. And I watched maybe 10 minutes of it. And like, I don't need to see oh, this. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's a weird vibe. The whole, a whole show is a very strange, like, floaty, dreamy madness thing. And it's incredibly violent. But it is hands down my favorite show of all time. It's worth a watch in, yeah, while we're in lockdown it times. It take, it, let it, give it a few, few episodes to, like, get the mood. But once it's in, it's the prettiest show I've ever seen. The cinematography is over the top, and it's like half uh, incredible murders and half like food porn. <laughs> Huge, elaborate, beautiful meals. And it's like, that's a person. And they Thanks. put out a cookbook on Amazon, like The Meals of Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I kind of want to get it. <laughs> it's a cookbook. Yeah. yeah. They don't say human parts, but I mean, they kind of imply it. To serve man. Uh, I don't... Um I don't remember. I know Will Will Graham, right? That's the guy from Red Dragon. Yeah, he's he's in it. He's basically the main character throughout it. Uh, they never got to Clarice since they never got to the Silence of the Lambs part. Uh, I don't know how they would do it, but 
I can't recommend it. I recommend it to everyone, but I know most people will not watch it because it is definitely not for everyone. <laughs> so one thing about about the book is it does a th- it's a thriller, right? At the end of the day, Silence of the Lambs yeah. is just a thriller. Um, yeah. It's maybe a very, I, I thought, I, I could say I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good thriller. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. most people seem to think that too. Like um, David Foster Wallace put it on his list of 10 favorite books. And this is like a pretentious literature guy or was um, for him to put a thriller on there. Like I'm not sure quite what I missed that made it such a great work of literature, but did he put this one or red dragon on it? He put both, both. Okay. Yeah. Um, Hmm. A big part of it is a very Hollywood thing of profiling, you know, like, Oh, Oh, he's doing this because he wants to be a woman. Obviously he's clearly a man in his thirties with a left hand and he's got most likely blue eyes and a and a absent father. Yeah, like the, the, they could just predict mm-hmm. this shit and like. And, well, I mean, some of it makes sense, no, right? But when, but is is this the movie, the book and slash movie that actually made that into a pop culture thing, or was this whole like media, you know, television and media obsession with uh, profiling? Was that a thing before Silence of the Lambs? I I wouldn't really know either way, but I bet not. I bet this the one of my criticisms of the book is not really of the book, but it was almost like too successful. And so that there are so many copycats of this type of, of this type of thing that it, it now it, it seems kind of cliche. Yeah. I mean, it probably like maybe, I, I don't know, but it probably popularized it mm-hmm. past the point of realism. It's been around for a long time. Like it was used in like the thirties and forties. People were profiling shit. The, the Mindhunter show on Netflix is about like the beginnings of the FBI profiling unit and it takes place in like the 60s and they start, <laughs> the guy's like, we should interview these people to see why they do these crazy things. People are like, that's disgusting. Don't do that. They're all monsters. Like, I think we could learn some shit. And they're like, no, don't do it. Okay, do it. But didn't, I mean, Hercule Poirot essentially profiles people or is using the same kind of Hollywood profiling. Yeah, well, his, more, his profiling is just like, mm, that person is too weak to kill someone. But the killer would have certainly wanted this. Or the killer yeah. would have definitely have liked that kind of thing. There's a show on uh, TV, Criminal Minds. I guess it's over by now. They basically had a, they, they give the public the impression that profilers can pinpoint like every aspect of a person's like upbringing in life based on how they kill people. And it's really not even close to that. They can give you like a vague description or a vague possibilities, and that's about it. And it is useful to a certain extent, but it is not what people make it out to be. There's a chapter in one of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books about the, you know, psychological profiling of these criminals (laughs) and about how it's total bullshit and it's almost never true. Or or I think the point Malcolm Gladwell was making that the types of guesses that seem like correct guesses just happen to be like statistically most people grow up in this kind of home and that they weren't actually guessing anything particularly unique. Well, they, they, they use a lot of data when they're like, well, he's probably a white male because statistically most serial killers are white men. Like, okay, that's, that's not uh, going out on a limb there. I think we talked about this at some point. Well, did we talk about this for like Devil in the White City or something like that? But Probably, the, yeah. The, the part of it is that, as Nate's saying, like they make these guesses that are really vague if they are even close to accurate. And people selectively forget 
the totally wrong things. It's the same thing with like TV psychics. That they physically edit out all the wrong guesses. <laughs> well, sure, totally. Having worked but, like, in the biz. But the press only reports on when the profilers get it right. Yeah. Right? They're never like, they predicted it was a white male in his 30s. It was a 78-year-old black woman. Like, they never tell you that version of the story. Um, and even the, like, the famous case is the, the mad bomber in New York, I think it was, who was, like, bombing Con Edison or something like that in, like, the 40s or 50s. And is the first, one of the first very famous cases of using profiling because the guys were writing these long letters and they were able to say, oh, he's clearly, English is not his first language. He's angry at the company. Therefore, he might have worked, he must have worked for them. Like, they come up, they kind of used all this, you know, uh, lateral thinking, I guess, to get to a motive for him or something. And the head psychiatrist, again, and when they arrest him, and this reminded me very much of Silence of the Lambs, when Hannibal just says, he'll have a, he'll live in a two-story house. Um, the psychiatrist said, and when they arrest him, he'll be wearing a double-breasted suit. And sure enough, when they arrest the guy, he's wearing that kind of suit. Um, because the thinking was he's definitely outdated with the times. He's like an older guy. He will not be wearing like the height of fashion. But that psychiatrist, that story didn't come out at the time of the crime. That story came out in his memoir about it later on. So even whatever profiling that they did that was accurate got exaggerated when they told their own version of it and they left out all their wrong shit and bolstered their their other guesses that happened to be right and make them sound like practically psychic. And that's what everybody thinks about for profiling. Like that they, you know, it's like almost like you're like Mm -hmm. there's like half quants, half Native Americans that they like they can touch the (laughs) ground and be like, the serial killer wore Timberland boots and his father beat him. (laughs) Like they can just (laughs) think that kind of level of thought, which is absurd. This book definitely played into all that. Didn't make it less enjoyable for me, but it was just something I thought of the whole time. And I'd forgotten that Hannibal Lecter knew James. And that kind of made mm-hmm. it feel shittier. Like I, I kind of wanted the idea, I like the idea that he was just so smart and knew psychiatry so well that he could figure it out. No, but really, he, he just was fucking with him from day one. He just happened to know this killer. He's like, oh, I just I didn't know a guy who's into that kind of thing. Well, he did kind of, he did, he knew him like way back before he started doing any of this shit, and he kind of figured out what he was going to do and think, okay, I know who is doing that based on just early stuff. So it's kind of still, you know, psychology extraordinaire, but also, yeah, he just, he was just fucking with them. That's fair. Thoughts, Nate? Uh, I, I liked the book a lot. I thought, you know, I mean, it is just a thriller, but both of the villains, both were really terrifying you know definitely did a really good job at that and that starling clary starling is an interesting character too just because you know she you know not only is it the underdog story all this incredible stuff she has to overcome you know largely the sexist bureaucracy that she has to work work with but manages to do it anyway so i I thought it was really good i think what makes this book it is, I mean, we say just a thriller because there are like eight fucking billion thrillers published every year. It's memorable because of the characters. And I think, I'm sure thrillers did it before this, but I think since this, every thriller tries to make an interesting character that's franchisable, but someone who's got like the, a new hip combination of skills and flaws and unique 
attributes to make or a really ext- cool, extremely character. weird villain. Right, they're like almost you know like half James Bond villain, half Batman villain. <laughs> like they're like <laughs> he he sets all of their clocks to three eighteen a.m. for some reason. You know, like this like really stupid details. <laughs> and he wears spats. <laughs> <laughs> the fucker spats. Those are those like old timey like Great Gatsby things that go over your shoe, like a, like over your like tuxedo. <laughs> all right, sure. They're like shoe guards. Yeah. Or like the snowman guy who didn't have nipples. Yeah. He doesn't have nipples and he likes to cut people's heads off with a weird uh, heat lasso. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And as he's cutting their head off, he's like, I just wish I had nipples. (laughs) I bet they'd be hard right now if I did. (laughs) They would be because of the snow. Man. Probably cold, yeah. (laughs) Put this in your hairy hole. Uh, so every thriller is kind of trying to do the same thing, and I, I'm sure there are other this idea of you gotta you have to use a killer to catch a killer kind of thing. I'm sure that it kind of mm-hmm. existed before too, but this really there's a lot of other things that have stolen that idea. All right, so who should read this book? Well, uh, I mean, it's good. You should read it, unless really dark, scary books are not the kind of thing for you. This is I want to say I wasn't actually scared, but. This comes close to an actual scary book. Way more than Stephen King books. Unnerved, maybe? Yeah. Certainly grossed out. It's, it's, it's yeah. disturbing and distressing. Just, I think, versus Stephen King, because while the, the Buffalo Bill is not a common thing, it's much more possible. I mean, there are serial killers, and there are people who do some horrific things to other people. Yeah, there's nothing supernatural in it. Yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't know if anyone needs to read it. I mean, if you like thrillers, then yeah, sure. But I think the movie is probably better. It is better because it cuts out the stupid bullshit. It's 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 hard. It's it's impossible to read this book and not picture Anthony Hopkins, though. So yeah, totally impossible. So it's 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 kind of limiting in that way. Like you can't have your own image of it. It's that's what it's going to be. But it is the as Nate said, the movie is very faithful to the book. So if you liked it, you probably would enjoy the book. You know, if you want to see, like, what's the source material mm-hmm. like? It's, there wasn't that much dumb shit to cut out, you know? Like, think of a lot of other books we've done where they made no. a movie out of it. It's like, they cut out a half of it because it was really awful. It was just mostly streamlining. They just trimmed out, like, fleshing out some characters because, you know, wanted to make them matter a little more. And I get why that would be in a book versus the movie because yeah. uh, Scott Glenn's character, uh, Crawford, he's not important in the movie he's kind of there as like a to start things and then he doesn't matter it's like you don't need to know about a sick wife in the movie the movie did a really good job of streamlining as you said but it's worth a read it's it's a fast book it's worth reading it's a, and, and the other ones are worth you know the red dragon and hannibal are worth reading too actually i didn't i never read hannibal or i never read red dragon though i did read the wikipedia summary <laughs> of the book just as good just just to like see what it's like because i've i've i like the show so much but I did see the, the ending of Hannibal I thought was atrociously stupid, which they did change that in the movie. The ending of the book or the ending of the movie? Ending of the book. Well, the ending of the book, spoiler of a book we're not even doing, is that Hannibal and Clarice run off together. That's fucking what? stupid. I hate that. Well, it's sort of, I guess, the idea. I, I've read Hannibal when I was in high school, so it's a long time now. But I think the idea is like he he was somehow so... Like, something about her was interesting and unique in his estimation. And he got into her head, and something about him was unshakable. Like, they were, like, drawn towards each other. And um, 
and he was, you know, like that. They there's some sort of like warped star-crossed lovers. Yeah. In the show, if it ever comes back for season four, the next season was supposed to be Hannibal and Will had run off together. Oh, interesting. Even though, like, Will was didn't he like in the book? I think he's married and has kids or something. I don't that remember. doesn't happen in the show. I could be making that up. I could be. He's a far. He's a far more damaged character in the show. Not the Ed Norton you saw in no. Red Dragon. Not the charming Ed. All right. Well, yeah, it's worth reading if you're into thrillers. It won't take you a lot of time. And it is a, a decent book, even if you're not a huge thriller fan. But if you've seen the movie, probably no need to read it. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Eyes Book Club. And if you've listened to this long, why not leave a review? Uh, we'd really appreciate it. We won't wear your face as a mask, uh, at the very least. And you could even head over to Patreon and uh, give us some dollars there to help our liver damage before it becomes t- completely inedible. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and get all sorts of goodies in return. What could go wrong? And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>